0: Two eyes on. Do you understand the game a bit? Uh-huh. Yeah. Have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. Th-
1: that's what okay, you paid so for you're saying. You're saying I should resign. So you're saying I should resign? I think that's your, your opinion.
0: Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not no. going to resign. I
2: simplify things next time. <laughs> hello, hello. It's an emergency, therefore it requires a TNC emergency pod. The Socceroos are through to a final. World Cup playoff against Peru on Tuesday morning next week after squeaking past the United Arab Emirates. Two goals to one thanks to a Aydin Hrustic wonder volley from the edge of the box that may or may not have taken a massive deflection on its way in. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Joey Lynch and Ante Jukic here with me. Uh, if uh, Nick manages to unplug his, his microwave and uh, work out his microphone issues he's been having, uh, then we'll be joined by Nick Dubano as well. Gentlemen, how are we? How do we pull up after the 4am
0: start? For, well, I, I, I think to be honest, <laughs> I, I, I think I look like somebody that was up uh, late last night with you, Josh Parrish, covering the Australia, commentating on the Australia Cup. Um, apologies, Ante, for uh, Melbourne Knights 4-0 defeat to uh, the Oakley Cannons last night and then promptly got up at 3.30. Oh,
3: that's my, that's my father.
0: Oh. Is this, this the, the most the... cynical man in Australian football? My father, is this the, man, the man with the it's best a... eye test in Just Australian football. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. We did we didn't plan this. We did not plan this, but this is amazing. Oh, oh this, dear. this Can is we get Yes. <laughs> why is he leaving? Can we get him as a special guest? Oh, no, I know. I want to hear the deeply cynical but amazing eye test and takes this.
2: Oh, anyway, just No, like, I if, um... you, if you think Ante Yukic is, is cynical and savage with his football opinions, just imagine his old man.
0: Oh, <laughs> I want to hear where all this has sprung from. This is incredible. <laughs>
2: I'm sure Ante Yukic will be back in a moment. But yes, Joe, we had a late night last night at, at Knight Stadium. Quick turnaround for us. It was a pretty brutal morning, and it was only
0: made more brutal by
2: that first half performance. Uh,
0: I, I think I look like a man that got up at three thirty in the morning and then uh, watched that first half performances. Auntie, ret- get him on the pod, Auntie. We'll set him up with another window where we can get his. I'll taste. be honest,
3: his, his, his English isn't the best. So, um, <laughs> like, working, He hasn't he hasn't worked on a job site in a while, so his English is, uh, is kind of gone. Down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to my Tata, man. <laughs> did he
0: did he did he watch the game with you this morning, Auntie? Did he uh, have any takes?
3: No, he didn't. No, he didn't, because I, um, I, I I I got played futsal last night and slept like an absolute king this morning. <laughs> I, was, I was wrecked after playing futsal for the first time in a while. And um, I had the day off today, so um, I, I figured I'd take full advantage of it, stay off the phone, stay off Twitter, um, watch the game in peace. And, yeah, it's a weird old game, wasn't
0: it? Well, hold on. What's his thoughts on how Hrvatska are going?
3: Um he has very similar thoughts to why do uh Kovacic stinks, Dalic is a is a coward, and um yeah, we need to give more scope to Meyer and Kramaric.
0: You know what but let's we'll, we'll, talk Well at some point though, at some point though, we need to get old men on the uh your dad, my dad, we need to get them all on to NC into a, an old man special. <laughs> Absolutely. Who,
2: whose dad is the more influential Australian football voice? That's, that's the big question. I think, you know what,
3: to be honest, I think, I think my old man would grow very impatient with the old man Michael Lynch with his football opinion, to be honest, if, if, my, if my, you know, interactions with the old man or anything to, you know, use as a reference point. That's the
2: first take-style spin-off that ESPN has been waiting for. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> what?! Run their meme says the interrogation room door open to a wonderful surprise.
3: There's no spotlight today.
2: There's like light coming
3: into, my, into the office today.
2: This feels wrong, by the way. This feels deeply unnatural to have TNC during daylight hours.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, it's kind of like when you stay at the club too long and the lights go on at the end of the night. And you go, what am, What am I doing? What like, am I doing a, here?
3: Walking out of ribs and go to circus at like 8 in <laughs> the morning.
2: So... The hangover from this one ante uh, uh how did you feel it. how did you feel about the uh the post the post match clarity shall we say in uh, in the uh in the ensuing uh fallout from, from this one?
3: this this is this show is like ten five minutes in and we're already completely off the rails um
2: i said match <laughs>
3: <laughs> um that was a I'll be honest though, that was a that was a weird, weird old game. Um I don't like I haven't I haven't really, you know, like taken in commentary elsewhere to be honest, but like just having watched the game myself, like you know, making making full full use of the day off. But um yeah, like I, I don't Australia weren't great, but you know it was against a, it was against an opposition that was you know not essentially playing not to lose. And so a lot of their possessions were predicated you know predicated on taking the sting out of the game and taking the pace out of the game. Um, I guess the one overwhelming positive in this game was how much Hrustic grew into the match. Um and it was weird. I was I was um at club level. There were few times that he played in like a flat three in midfield, and you know Eintracht playing, Frankfurt played in a three five two. You know even even within the idea of him not seeing a lot of match minutes at club level. And in that game where they played three five two, he scores almost an exact same goal against Stuttgart. You know, like you think about the interaction that he had with Jarkic in that game where they did play 3 five, 2 because they generally played 3-4-3. Four, three, four, three. Um, you know, you think about how he grew into that game when he, or you know, how he immediately came into the game actually coming on as a substitute for Roto in that game. And he scores that goal at the top of the box, hitting first time and, you know, really like just in terms of degree of difficulty getting over the ball and, you know, being able to hit with, with power. He's obviously fortunate. But um, you think about the Goodwin chance uh, midway through that second half; he pretty much gets Australia up the pitch by himself. Um, you know, coming to feet, both with and without the ball, he's gotten gotten Australia up the pitch. So I guess this game has provided overwhelming proof that Rustich is best utilised deeper on the pitch. Um, how that happened? How that? How that will be utilized going into Peru will be the trick. Will be interesting though.
2: There seemed to be a slight uh, formation tweak in this one. Uh, you mentioned Hrustic
3: playing a little bit deeper. Uh,
2: was it more? Did you read it as more of a 4-3-3 this time around?
3: Uh, I mean, that was that was you know evident against you know, in the games against Vietnam and against China as well. That was, you know, that was, that, you know, that was just as evident. I'm, I'm thinking like,
2: back yeah. to the Japan game where I'm, I'm seeing Krustich, second striker, yeah, totally isolated on an island by himself.
3: Yeah, it, it, that was that. Yeah, that wasn't the case. That was more similar to you know what we were seeing in the um what in the Vietnam window, um, where you had Irvine pretty much as a penalty area threat, which is you know the only real logical usage for him um the interesting thing was you know the dynamics and how that all how you know every everyone worked around that you know just just within um in terms of how the team played who who played where around them as a reference point because i guess the the funny thing is i was i was talking to to this about someone you know during the game and it's like well as i was watching it and for a coach who, you know, really doesn't have a lot in ter- like you know, lacks imagination, essentially, his curveball in a game like this was to play exactly the same way as Melbourne City. Yeah, you know, because like they play with you know inverted fullbacks. If they're not getting in, not getting the ball into Hrustich slash Berenguer, it's circulation outside, you know, around the centre backs or direct ball over the over the you know over the fullback or a die. Like we we didn't really create much in that first half. And it was only until Hustich started to really dictate how Australia played they became, you know, relatively more threatening. But even then, like it, it was still very, very volatile.
2: How did Australia get through Stitch more involved? Was it purely down to him and his positioning? Yeah. Was it in, no, nothing to do with the substitutions? Ball. Because was it a coincidence that Australia looked more threatening with McLaren on the pitch?
3: I don't, I don't think there is a really significant change between Leckie and McLaren as the, as that point, you know, at the top of the pitch because there are only like there, it was sporadic that they would actually show defeat. And you know, funnily enough, the two times that they actually show defeat, Australia generate their best chances of the second half.
2: Well, it's funny on that because you know we we can McLaren for his lack of hold up play and and not being able to incorporate teammates all the time on this on this show. But that mm. that bit of combination play involving McLaren that ended with his shot from the angle was probably the slickest bit of passing Australia put together in the entire match.
3: You do have to remember the context of. Uh, rotating out. So there's a lot of space to hit for him to come into yeah. like that.
2: I'm that not ball. saying he did it himself, but he played no, no, his like you think,
3: no, no, but yeah, that's the thing. Like you still have to – this is why I place such importance on desire to show for the ball and mm. actually transmitting that towards your teammates and them having trust in you to actually play that ball in. Yes, he's a bit fortunate because he does have a lot of space to go into where he's able to compensate for you know what's, what's a pretty heavy touch under pressure so he can play out. But it, it's, it's no real surprise, you know, from that respect. Like, if you have a striker that wants the ball to feed and you're playing in the opposition's heart, that's going to allow other players to play, irrespective of how, you know, well or poorly your midfield plays. So that was, you know, that was one
0: interesting detail
3: of
2: all of that. Joey, thoughts on Australia's midfield?
0: Well, it really was. I guess you know it's been hinted at—a tale of two halves. I mean, at time, you know, I, I posted on Twitter during you know the thing. At times, in that first half, it looked like a black hole. had opened up just in between, you know, the the defense and the attack, basically like a a five-zero-five five that the Socceroos um, were just sort of playing at times. It, it really was. You know, remarkable. I mean, Ante, you talk about the UAE not really coming out and trying to press Australia and playing not to lose themselves. It was, you know, the movable object versus the resistible force, so to speak, with the two teams. Neither of them, and I was actually, to be honest, I was somewhat surprised that um, the UAE didn't begin to come out and press the game more at times when you saw, especially getting down that left flank, um, the troubles that they were um, creating down there with, oh, I forget his name, the, the speed of the youngster, the 19-year-old. It was his eighth uh, cap. I can remember everything but his uh, name. Um uh, Reeb, was it? Yes. Um, yeah. It, 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 uh, like, that was a matchup that they could have exploited, <laughs> uh, I think, a lot more than they actually did, or at least tried to work that a lot more than they did. Because I didn't think Nate Atkinson looked... As comfortable in that first half than what we've really seen. He got skinned a few times. And I also um, pick it up on how the Socceroos got better. I think Krustic getting more involved and acting as a facilitator helped Martin Boyle come into the contest a bit more. Um, I think he, you know, his ability and his willingness to run at defenses, it created one of the only noticeable chances that the Socceros sort of had, it wasn't even really a chance really, but he rounded a few players and then drove into the box before being tackled. I think it was in the ninth or something minute in the first half. And then it was his drive <laughs> into the box and his run that... Um...
2: <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for it. I
3: was waiting for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then it was his drive. It was his drive into the penalty area and the play across the face of goal that set up Jackson Irvine. So I think he, you know, as you said, Ante, um, Rustic is growing into the game and being able to increase the act as a reference point for the rest of the Socceroos tank really, you know, was, you know, the, he was the conductor of their attack going forward. But that did help Boyle come into the game as well and really exert Absolutely. some control as um, the game went on. And I, I think in the end... Especially considering how little the UAE deserved to win the game, it was a deserved win for the Socceroos. I was really struck
2: by just how conservative the fullbacks played throughout the game, but especially in the first half. Just how deep Atkinson was sitting compared to his you know usual approach. He seemed like he was wearing a straight jacket.
3: No, but you think about it. How they played specifically to counteract for Moy playing as a one six. And so, you know...
0: Because he can't cover to save his life. No, but
3: even even then, though, this is like the logical fallacy behind it. Like, if if the defence is still in front of the ball, it doesn't matter where you position certain players. You know, the opposition, once they win the ball, is still going to be able to quickly spring into attack. And so there were periods where, you know, they're basically allowing the ball to go to Goodwin and Boyle on the other side because they're hedging between you know um between Hrustich they they were marking to the Hrustich rather tightly and so that you know that's probably a contributing factor taking dropping deeper and you know trying to operate between the lines from deeper starting positions but you know Irvine's pumping channel runs because you know Goodwin's receiving the ball out wide and deep like he's coming from high high and wide starting position like you're not really shifting the defense mm. so it doesn't really matter where Bekic and Atkinson stay in that regard like I don't necessarily understand the um, you know the logic behind it to be honest um, are they providing an extra number in, in midfield to play to that's fine but how many times was Atkinson driving, driving into space wasn't happening a lot or at least you know just he doesn't have to drive completely into space but enough to create you know a defensive attention and that wasn't necessarily happening happening in the first or the second half either a lot of what a lot of what australia created against the set defense was primarily through hrustich everything else was in you know dead ball and half counter scenarios so i'm not <laughs> The the weird thing about this game is that it is a relative positive in relation to a low bar, but you still have this like really overwhelming context to view it within. So, I don't know.
2: Atkinson's come in for a lot of criticism, including uh, from the TV panel for his defensive work and getting torched down that that flank. Do you think that's just a uh, do you think that's an individual failing of his?
3: It's a byproduct of how we're losing the ball. Like one, you know, if 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 a defender's or not a defender, if a defender's always going to be lacking for pace, but they're being to but they're being asked to play a certain way in possession. Well, then I I don't like hammering the individual defender is missing the point, frankly. Um, not the first time the broadcast has done that, but yeah, like a, a lot of a lot of what happened. In those half counter scenarios, and this is coming back to you know why the UAE didn't really um, let's say be more aggressive. It's because they were they were happy with parity, and they felt that that would have been enough. You know, and there was enough to suggest that it would have been enough. But I guess that changes once once Rustic, um, you know, started to really grow into the game.
2: I want to return to Moy, uh, Jack coming through with the comment. Moy dropping a ninety after no ball for six months, as a wise man once said, "This is football heritage." <laughs> I mean, no, no, no real game time since January. Uh, we had sixty minutes in the friendly against Jordan. Graham Arnold said in the post-match interview that the entire reason we played the friendly against Jordan was to get minutes in the legs of Aaron Moy. As we will say, like why? Why is he considered so vital to this Socceroos team? And do we have a credible alternative as a number six in the squad? Because I think this is the problem is none of the other replacements that are in the squad at the moment are out-and-out sixes in that way that can compensate for for Irvine being given that license.
3: It's a tricky one because given how they've played and, you know, if you want – if you want an Irvine or a McGree to play as that penalty area threat as a third midfield, and you want Hustic to play as a third, uh, you know, as one of those three midfielders as well. You kind of need someone to be able to um, distribute in that respect. And Moy is probably the best, or, or the most suitable player in that regard, but it still creates a lot of, a lot of um, uh, consequential effects because, you know, without the ball is rather poor and, it becomes like as as was evidenced in the second half. You know the team's still ultimately relying on rustic. Um It's just in deep, deep just in um, different positions in comparison to let's say the Japan or the Saudi Arabia game, where he's dropping from higher positions. Um, Joey, I'm
2: giving all... you the opportunity, a wide open opportunity here to drop your genre propaganda. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to necessarily just push genre for this, but like. Like Moy's obviously strength is distribution, but like thinking back to the game, I never got like I didn't see Moy do anything distribution wise or otherwise that made me think he's the only man in the Soccero squad that can make that pass, that can do oh, there that. There was move. some.
3: There was some. Uh, there was like, some.
0: Uh, but
3: look, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't entirely be against I wouldn't entirely be against Johnre starting, but the question is where uh, if there was if there was <laughs> knowing uh like because really like you don't want to go into the realm of fantasy booking mm. the real the only real logical even then the only real practical change given how arnold wants this team to play is it you know mcgrief for irvine but then the difference becomes instead of instead of hustich defending as the second striker in that 442 you know, you switch and have Hrustich defending deeper with McGree as a as a second striker defending in the four four two. Because, you know, that was how they defended. They went back to four four two block and didn't press. They sat, you know, which was kind of contrary to um you know the Aussie DNA of chasing and fighting and harassing every time we defended, we were sitting four four two mid block, um, you know, and allowing them to play. So I guess that's really the only I guess foreseeable change um, I don't I don't know I, I like would you play genre as I mean
2: the big question is can Moy back up another 90 minutes in a what is it a few days turnaround uh, Less than play week.
3: against Jordan let's, and so let's that's three games in nine days that's a big one I mean
0: th- they'll give him the chance to regardless of whether or not he can yeah, he'll be given be every run. chance to do it yeah. like I, I, I can uh, yeah, like Moy's a difficult one. like I mean that the first half especially, like we're talking about, you know he's supposed to be the distributor, but there was no real distribution <laughs> from happening from the soccer it was all just around the periphery, nothing really much happening. And I guess you know if and that and if it, Australia really aren't going to be able to get into the game until Hrustic, you know starts to drop deep and get more involved the questions will become that, well, if we're going to be reliant on Prostic anyway to be the creative spark and did all these things, are the limitations that Aaron Moy has off the ball and all that sort of stuff worth it um, compared to what he brings to the squad, especially considering that he's not, you know, the guy, he's not the man for this team. But the question is,
3: is, sorry, like, sorry. The question is, is it going to happen in this
0: yeah. Well, no, no, that's the thing. This is all the realms of hypothetical. None of us are Graham Arnold. And I think we've all pretty much established, you know, we can <laughs> all probably predict what Graham Arnold can do. This is purely a thought experiment, you know, like is the trade-off there? And it's a difficult one. Like, yeah, Aaron Moy can ping a pass, but what else is Aaron Moy bringing to the table at this point that justifies him starting in a footballing sense? What does he bring into the table that justifies him starting over other options in the team, aside from gigantic amounts of NRI and Premier League experience?
3: Yeah. Because I remember, I remember making this comparison years ago. He was like, I'd always viewed him as an Aldi brand, Tony Cruz. And because you think about it, what what did Tony Cruz provide outside of like this awesome distribution? And Ninety percent of, of football
2: fans who hear that, ninety percent of football fans who hear that, they will think that's like a tremendous compliment. But it's coming <laughs> <is> it <laughs> from Ante, it? like, it's like, Actually, interesting a, a parallel. Scathing the criticism.
3: The interesting parallel, like, is you you are like the, that question of trade-off is becoming a more prevalent question with both of them. Like, that's actually been an interesting parallel to witness as their careers have gone on and as they've gotten older. As the, you know, as their ground coverage and a, and ability, like their physical capacity, declines, it's actually been rather interesting to see. I was pretty happy with that one, but um, yeah, like it, I mean, it depends on how you how you you know want to play with the players around him. I'm not I'm not entirely against genre and playing as a six in the, in this kind of game, but I just don't see it.
2: Well, there was a lot of talk about. Aussie battle spirit, passion, mongrel courage, as Jack has pointed out in the yes. comments. And you know who's demonstrated some some Aussie battle spirit this afternoon? It's Nick DiBarno <laughs> battling through his technical hey, Jamie Join us here on the stream, uh, Nick. I'm going to get you to uh, unmute yourself, and everybody, cross your fingers, knock on wood. Can we hear him?
1: Is this gonna be a Bonas Dias ragazzi, hey, uh,
3: where, bajano, know, ragazzi
1: where you know completely blow everyone's uh, headphones again? Like I'm sorry, <laughs> were, one or on the other. <laughs> yeah. uh, good afternoon. Um, I literally yeah, no, no before we there. started, this was all working fine. And then something happened on my computer. It wasn't the microwave, it wasn't the TV, it was this bloody computer that decided to crash the no, 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 it wasn't <laughs> the toaster, unless there's a phantom living in my house because I'm literally, there's no one else here. Uh, uh we all know we all know you podcast
2: over. from a smart toaster,
1: Nick. <laughs> <laughs> one of those old algae fridges, uh, but basically, <laughs> no, like we're all good now. I hope uh, I had to like reset the computer about three or four times, but we got there in the end, and there was a lot of panicking, a lot of changing of cables, uh, but we got there in the end. So did the Socceroos, Nick, Uh, what did
2: you make of the performance? We haven't heard from you so far.
1: Well, what have you guys not talked about yet? Cause it's been what? 26 minutes. No, uh, I feel re- like re- We are going to. don't want to,
2: we don't, don't want to influence you. Re- you. We want to yeah, get no, your, no, no, no. If you're repeating some of our opinions, that's pure coincidence.
3: I think the main question is what are your thoughts on your own performance this morning? You know, you came off the bench. How do you, how do you think you went? Uh, look, you know,
1: I came to receive the ball deep and that was something you did that once in the second half. Wow. I actually came to get the ball in a, in a different area. Uh, um, no, I thought I thought I did pretty well. I think I put my hands up to start on Wednesday uh, or Tuesday, whatever it might be, and uh, yeah, showed a lot of Aussie DNA and a lot of fighting spirit in the second half. So we got through. But anyways, um, that, that, no, 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 no. Oh, also, that, that
2: might be the comment of the season. That's by the way, Blake Hampton, <laughs> Aldi, the supply chain <laughs> issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, just, just, just in regards to the game, look, the first half I was, I know some, I know like at least three of us were up live because i you, you had, you got your good sleep and I, I am so jealous that you got your 10 hours. Um, that was a tough watch in the first 45 minutes. Oh my God. It was a struggle. Um, then even the first 10, 15 minutes, but to be honest, the whole first half I was thinking, Oh my God, like. The more they keep attacking down that left hand side, they're gonna eventually gonna pull a winner. Like I honestly was, was getting quite worried in those early stages, especially um, Atkinson sort of being on an island and Bailey Wright not necessarily complimenting him with his lack of pace when Atkinson would be exposed on the right hand side. Uh, so that was a bit of a worry. But um, even after Irvine scored, like the second they equalized straight away, it was just oh, you've got to be kidding me, right? Like bloody trust, like the fence folded like a cheap suit. It was fun while it lasted, but that 10, 15 minutes where Aiden Trustic took over, I enjoyed that. He's such a fantastic player. It's just a shame that everything else around him, like in that midfield composition, was so poor. And I know that there were people saying we deserved to win that game. Yeah, we might have deserved something because UAE were not great at all, but we were not good. We were terrible Like, I'm just putting it bluntly honest. We were not good. And we were just lucky the UAE were not that much better. Like, they they had chances to chase the game, as, you know, Stephen said here. But that was, like, the way they chased the game, they never looked like scoring in those last 10 minutes. They never actually put us under any pressure. God forbid when a team actually puts us under pressure how, you know, we're going to look if on that one attack we just folded defensively. Um, so going into that next game, there needs to be some changes, I think, especially in the in the defensive uh back four. I think, you know, Kai Rolls got exposed. I think, you know, Bailey Wright was exposed with Atkinson next to him. I think there needs to be some changes there and some changes further up the pitch. And that midfield, oh my goodness. Aaron Moyd, like like just so laborious, man. Like it's just the same thing mm. over and over again. There were some people that were saying he played well, and I'm thinking, what game are you watching? Like, are we watching the same thing? Or are we looking at completed passes? Like, you know, oh, he got 95% complete, completed passes. You know, for for an AFL reference, is he the Tom Mitchell of the Socceroos? Like, just because he gets a lot of the ball, does that suddenly make him a a good no, player? Do
3: not, uh, do not go here talking about the Cisco <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we bet you on the weekend, so I can. But no, no. It, 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 in all seriousness, though, like the lack of minutes for Aaron Boy, the way he's utilized in this system, and everything else, it's just not a good fit. And they need to, they need to change that against Peru. So, look, they won. Thank God. Yes, we'll take the win any day. But there are so many issues that need to be addressed. Yeah, so many going into that Peru game. We can't just go, yeah, we won. Great, fantastic. We got through because just completely you know, papering over all those cracks. And that's felt like something we've done for so, so long. Think about the winning streak, the, the hashtag streak and smashing minnows and beating minnows that Vietnam 1-0 and everything else. It was all, oh yeah, we're still winning. You know, we're still getting results. But then when the, the pressure got turned up, we, we folded. And I'm, I'm worried the same thing's going to happen against Peru. Even if they have a number of key individuals out of that game and they're not necessarily playing that well at the moment, I still have my concerns.
2: Well, uh, I, I, it reminds me of a passage I, I read in uh, the book Soccernomics, which is very good, by the way. Um, which is that blonde players get scouted more because scouts notice <laughs> them as opposed
0: to players with brown hair. I think is that why is... J- Jason Davidson got called up because he very had the pink possibly. That <laughs> very pink
3: hair. That, that must be why there's not a lot of walks in the uh, Socceroos team anymore. Though.
2: <laughs> but no, Didn't I was going to that, say actually. that's 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 why everybody <laughs> seems to think Moy plays well when he doesn't because he stands out. Is, exactly. And he's <laughs> like running around the You of put your head in the of you ball. Always,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, can you, I, you always notice him.
1: Can I just add one thing? I know I was joking a little bit about sort of doing my best, Jamie McLaren impersonation, but actually seeing him come and get the ball in that one play, I've got to say, like, I was pleasantly surprised that he actually like got involved in the interplay. Like, I want to see more of that from him. I don't know how much more we're going to see that from him if he even plays against Peru. But like seeing that was like, all right, like you like that was a nice little bit of play there, nice little bit of interplay. So it was good to see, I guess, him come off the line for a change, off the, the final man actually get involved in the build-up for a change because, you know, it would be nice to see more of that more regularly considering he's supposed to be a Jason Cummings type Maybe he was trying to play a little bit more like Jason Cummings in that instance. So, uh, hey, I'm just I'm just quoting exactly what Arnie said about them being the same sort of player. So maybe he took, you know, a bit of inspiration from that.
2: I mean, Boy. Arnie talked about having the uh, set of strikers who all had different attributes, and then he started none of them when Adam <laughs> Taggart went down injured. You know, he has his four strikers. They're all different. Um, that's why Jason Cummings was left out of the squad uh, were, were you guys the same as me, you know, thinking after UAE scored that, gee, it would have been nice to have the come dog on the bench to bring on at this
0: moment? I was thinking it would have been nice to have the come dog when I heard the news about Taggart go down the night before. I was thinking it would be nice to have the come dog in the squad when I saw the squad get released. <laughs> um, Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead, Hunter.
3: I think the Sainsbury... You know,
0: no, the Sainsbury one memory.
3: was the bigger. Oh, one, we'll right? get to yeah. the defence, considering, yeah, we'll considering get there. we've got you know as many left backs as centre backs now. You know, disregarding uh, Stenson as like a makeshift CB. He's
0: been watching England, mate. I mean, All the wing backs.
3: I mean, it's really weird. Like, and and something about that. Um, something about that. You know how the defensive four set up. They were very, they were very, um, let's say, disjointed, and they were. I guess Bech and Rolls' side was very would would sag a lot, but against that, and that's specifically on Cairo Kyo, on Kyo's side. Where, whereas Harib is the is the faster attacker, you would kind of want to leave yourself with more space. Uh, to cover, and so there were a lot of phases in you know where we're defending in mid block, and Atkinson's side is higher up the pitch. It, it was it was strange to see, but um, well, I mean, what, do you think that was
0: by design, there. or do you think that's just Atkinson in his head, just attack, attack, want to get forward, no, I I want to get forward? Because you you
3: go you go by uh, I reckon I reckon you'd be able to go by average position. And I reckon, I reckon Bekic and Rolls would be deeper than um, both Wright and Atkinson. I don't think it's just Atkinson there. That's I, a, that, I think the fullbacks like. are
2: taking their cue from the centre back they're playing next to. And I don't think Rolls was a particularly confident member of that back four. He looked. He he looked like he'd turned up to his first day of a job he wasn't qualified for. And he didn't actually know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's my first day, guys. Yeah, exactly. It was hey, it's my it was his second day, but still. Like I I I felt very nervous whenever he was involved, near the play, on the ball. There was one hoofed clearance that I sort of went, Oh no. Like I, I felt bad for him at times. He he looked shaky to me. And I'm not just running Dan Hall propaganda here.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's not even Dan Hall propaganda. Interesting, you know, Milos Deganek sitting on the bench was interesting. That's strange. That is played. strange. He because Sainsbury
2: dropping out. I mean, I mean, he hasn't
0: played, but neither has but Aaron what is, Moore.
2: What has happened to Milos
0: yeah, but
3: Aaron has to team our eyes and, Sorry, sorry, Josh. Go.
2: But what, what has happened to Milos Degenek's national team stocks? It's been very odd to see because, I mean, Bailey Wright has been called in from the cold all of a sudden.
1: Um,.
2: Yeah, interesting. In <laughs> all right.
0: Sorry, Nick. is it because
1: is it because he's playing in the MLS?
3: <laughs> yeah, did you reckon? Yeah, The MLS yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> playing for the Col- <laughs> is it is it it's the Columbus crew, Columbus yeah? crew. It's the Columbus yeah, yeah. crew. But Ante, you, you mentioned he hasn't been playing, right?
3: No. Well, not a lot. Like, and when he has played, he's had pretty shaky performances. But ultimately, I mean, outside of Sainsbury. This I mean squad. he's our blue chip
2: he's our blue chip defender and we don't have anyone like him
3: well uh, in this squad we don't have anyone like him forward this becomes yes. more of a throw forward like in the event we qualify or in the event we you know you know let's say looking forward to the next World Cup cycle this is this is this is a problem area because without Sainsbury and Taggart, it was like okay so we can't play through. And we can't play, you know, we can't you know, We can't get out either without him. So without Sainsbury specifically. I mean, and so that's why there were, you know, to see Hustic. So this, oh, I'm sorry I keep coming back to it, but like a lot of it was, you know, conditioned by Hustic just, you know, he was like, I've had enough of this shit. Just give me the ball and I'll sort it out. Because that's... You, you, <laughs> There were a lot of moments in that first half where he was frustrated.
0: Well, I mean, you talk about what are we going to do if we make the World Cup, aren't I? I mean, the answer is it's likely that Harry Soutar will likely be incorporated back into the squad. I mean, reading articles coming out of Stoke, he's Mm. going to be joining the Potters pre-season training next month. So one figures that if he's back fitness once again, get, we're, we're trying to predict Graham Arnold here, one would envision that Graham Arnold tries to bring him back into the squad next to Trent Sainsbury. I would have he could make Popovich pop a millionaire. Just, genuine,
3: <laughs> yeah, genuine. yeah, question. Yes, he could. He could make Dan Hall a millionaire.
0: You know who he should make him a millionaire? Harrison Delbridge. That's propaganda. <laughs> Gen- genuine question though, like
1: if Trent, like, because obviously Trent Sainsbury is without a club now as well. Does that change anything in terms of his national team stocks if, say, he makes a move back here or if he, you know, does it, like if if that, will that change things considering now Bailey Wright, you speak about NRI, aren't I? I mean, Bailey Wright's playing for Sunderland. They just got promoted to the championship. Like, is that going to change things that, you know, if we're going to yeah, rank like things right. on NRI? No, yeah, um, yeah, look, nah, look I, I, I think that's a good point, Joey, that Sutar will be the starting centre-back and I think he's locked in you know, to play in the World Cup if he's ready and fit and good to go. Obviously, he'll get, what, maybe three months of football with Stoke before the season
0: starts, you know, if he's ready to go. It depends when his recovery is. He did it. He did his ACL in November, so ostensibly he could be back September, you know, October kicking the ball around, but ACLs are weird. He could, you know, try to come back then and suffer a setback and not be available till 2023. It's the same reason that Ellie Carpenter ACL's injury has so much intrigue hanging over it, because while these days, you know, in the days of, you know, stem cells in Germany and what have you, recovery times are a lot quicker than normal, there is still a level of the unknown in um, recovery times, I think. But yeah, I think I agree with you, Nick. If he comes back, Sutar is going to start for the sufferers. Hey, guys, if you like this podcast and you like footy, why not
2: join myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels, and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all things footy with the help of the game's best statisticians. Get the ESPN Footy Podcast wherever you stream your podcasts every Tuesday. A lot of questions coming in about Aussie DNA. Uh, we'll get to that. but uh, I, no, I man, Let's I not get feel... to that.
0: Remember the Ollie Roos in Cambodia? Oh,
2: dear. Uh, no comment. Uh, I, I want to come back to this. How good were the UAE? Really, they
3: stunk, man.
0: They were terrible.
3: They stunk. Like it was like we were just less bad. (laughs) Quite frankly, (laughs) over the course of the ninety minutes, we were less bad. And so that's, I guess, that's the kind of context that you have to one view this game in, and two, you know, view the next game in because there's still a lot of room for improvement here. Because
2: they've had what five coaches in. Five dominated the in, th- in three years or something, including Van Marvik twice. Twice, yeah. So, you know, it's not as if Emirati football is in some golden era. Uh, I was disappointed that Omar Abdulrahman was um, only a three minute defeat cigar. Yeah. <laughs> the last throw <laughs> of the dice. <laughs> um, because he's always fun, but I don't know how effective he would have been given he's just been called in from the international wilderness. Um, mm. But they, they didn't have much about them. I thought they were. Uh, very nervy in the second half when the pressure was on. I thought they were very standoffish in the first half and didn't really apply pressure in moments where they, they could have made more of, you know, the soccerers playing themselves into trouble. Like, I felt they were hesitant and they weren't, uh, they weren't punishing Australia's mistakes in a ruthless fashion, like they I believe Peru passive.
0: will. Like, they know, were very like, passive. We give, you know, Arnie a bit of crap you know for playing not to lose games and setting his team up in a timid fashion that's exactly how um the United Arab Emirates and Rodolfo aenia um set up the UAE like so we got to give him crap too like <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. into this coming into this game you know we've been talking about it for months there, there were areas that you can exploit this Soroo side in and it felt like, Just I don't know if it was paralysis by analysis or just refusal to actually try something new um, and be made to look the fool, but they just didn't do anything. And when it came down to it, they were just poor. They were really poor. They were bad. They were poorly set up, timid in approach, and they can have no complaints. I don't necessarily think setup was
3: bad, but the approach was the big one. It's it's more big it, because that that creates situational you know circumstances. Because there are a lot of positions in which Ali Salmin was able to you know get into really good positions and play through. But a lot of their a lot of their possession was really just you know circulation around this uh, around the defensive line and Ali Salmin, and you know just sporadic entrances into the Australia's half. And that's not a consequence of Australia, you know really restricting them in that respect or denying certain passes into the opposition half. They did get into good positions, but it was more, you know, like I said, like I said, earlier in the piece, a lot of their position was pre- was predicated on just taking the sting out of the game and slowing down the tempo. It was, it was really strange to see, especially over the first 30 minutes because Australia weren't really generating anything, but UAE didn't really want to generate anything with their position outside of counterattacking scenarios, like outside of their immediate, you know, uh, let's say gains of regains of position. It was such a strange, strange game. Like, and I guess on the whole, yeah. Given, given the, how the, how the game developed over the course of the 90 minutes, you can say Australia deserved it. But like I said, it, it's a very, it's a very contextual discussion to have here because it was just such a low bar.
2: Nick, I think this question goes to you. Uh, How much Aussie DNA will Australia need to get past Peru? And which Aussie legend, footballing or otherwise, will Arnie and his charges need to channel the spirit of in order to do so?
1: Uh, Well, they're playing a a South American team. I know it was a Batuta Advocate article. Uh, (laughs) I know that he he just won an A-League Men's Championship as a coach. So it kind of writes itself, doesn't it, that... Channel the spirit of John Aloisi's penalty if it goes to penalty shootout. Ah, um, oh, this. I, I hope discussion. no
2: one in the squad has waxed their chest head. No, because that's a betrayal
1: of the legacy.
3: That wouldn't be taking yeah. it to the <laughs> next level, mate.
1: Like, <laughs> uh, it, it nah. Look, the whole DNA concept. stuff. Like, I still can't believe that people are still going to the well with this. Like, you know, have to show Aussie spirit. As, as Robert Cornthwaite tweeted before about it. Like. How can you, when you're the favourite going into a game, this works when you're an underdog. Like, it works in a way like, oh, you show fighting spirit going up against a team you're not supposed to beat. But when you're the team that's supposed to win and you're banking on, our oh, fighting spirit DNA, we're the underdogs, doesn't really work, right? It's not, not really a fit. But even then, like, we've been going to the well with the same mentality and the same slogan of, you know, it seems like it's a... um it's ingrained in Australian sporting culture, though. This isn't just the Socceroos thing. This is something that plagues our Olympic teams. You know, you think about it all the time, basketball, same thing. Oh, the Aussie spirit, argh, go up against the US. You know, got to show that spirit against them. Same thing with any of the other sports. like probably hockey, whatever else, whatever it might be. It's always Aussie spirit, Aussie spirit, Aussie spirit. But I don't know, When are we going to turn around and stop using that as a cop-out and actually focus on the X's and O's? Like and actually focus on that, you know, there's more to it than just intrinsic, you know, fighting spirit DNA, never say die. That's part of it. Of course, you want to have the mentality to fight for games if you're behind and you're going for games and the, the uh, odds are stacked against you. But when you're the favourite... And you've actually got to make, you know, decisions in a game, going into the game, in-game adjustments, whatever it might be, going up against a certain team. You can't just rely on expecting to win and, you know, everything else that comes with it in terms of showing fighting spirit. You've actually got to show those. You've got to actually, you know, get the job done when you're looking at the X's and O's.
3: Because that takes looking past the surface level, though. You know, when you're talking about going back to the well and, you know, how that's used in the public sphere and in public commentary, if if it is a crutch, but in sport, in sport, like I know, will is a skill in certain respects. But like effort should be a base expectation. This a shouldn't be,
0: level.
3: Yeah. yeah. Like this shouldn't be something that's you know just overwhelmingly definitive. The reality is, like I remember writing about this after I, th- I think it was when was it? It was after the Matildas' exit in the Asian Cup.
0: And, and then the there was Gustav's, the, justifying yeah. their performance yeah. against... The yeah, yeah. Gustavs, Gustavs
3: are both, both Arnold and and you know, talking about how, they, how they're proud of their players because they put in effort. But, like, effort reflects character, and character is everything in football, character is everything in football, but there are other things that define character in football. And, you know, let's look past that surface level of being determined and giving it a red-hot go, you know, because... Even the idea of giving it a red hot go, like if it's if it's not or, or, or bravery is not defined by how how much how willing you are to you know take the ball in a in a duel or in a contest, like bravery can be. There are a lot of prisms in which bravery can be viewed within. So,
0: Don't let me. Yeah. effort in any other field can be such a double-edged compliment. Like, can you imagine if somebody gave you a story they wrote and your response was, Oh, you put in so much effort to that. Didn't you You tell them to go and F themselves? <laughs> like it's praising effort in absence of anything else. It's, it's a backhanded compliment. Like I can't praise you for, I can't praise you for the skill you went about it, the, The idea that underpins it, the bravery that you showed us, you said, I'm just going to praise your effort. I'm just going to praise, you know, your ability to try. Yeah, like, (laughs) good effort. Good effort, lad. You were there. You gave it a go. Like, no. It's not professional football. No, no. no I wouldn't give out a
2: gold, gold star, Joey, because you don't get particip- awards for participation, not back in Graham Arnold's day,
0: when oh, men were real men. I don't know whether that, we want to really say this. Me, do we, we, we that really we annoyed me, we, we Do we really want to do that media watch? watch. Sunday. Yeah, if we no, no, no. It's not about media watch. watch. I'm
2: talking about the post-match press conference that Graham Arnold did. I'm talking about when he said that, you know, that battling spirit of the underdog was an old Aussie trait. And that generation Man, Australia's changed. only was only finish, born in 1991. Joey.
0: Australia's not an old country. It's like, no, but it was it's a, one of the youngest he, countries
2: on planet Earth. I, I don't know what he meant by old Aussie trait. Did he mean the 80s? I suppose when he played back in my <laughs> I, day. We're shit, back yeah. in Frank Arox's Mad yeah. Dogs yeah. era, where we didn't qualify like, for any World Cups.
1: This is so such a like a, an AFLism when you hear that. But well, hear what, he said, what he said, what he said
2: was, I just got to over the. He said that it was an old Aussie trait, and that. Uh, generations change and that's what he was trying to drum into the players and the fact that he had face time with them in this camp meant they see he was impl- he implied that they had more fighting spirit this time because he had the FaceTime with them to drum home the message about aussie courage and i was i'm just telling so, like, my what hair out it, going, what so are you talking are there, about like what it's is it? So- that doesn't mean anything
0: like exactly. Like, <laughs> it's a, a it's extrapolating nothing. from that, does does Graham Arnold think the UAE are cowards because they lost? Like, do, does the team, do teams lose games because they're or scared, he, or is he, or is he just calling his players soft and that he has to hold their hand
3: through these kinds of games?
0: Like, yeah, I think we we should probably get into this Sunday. It is like this back in my day stuff infuriates I me. Mean, like we were talking about this in the chat yesterday. Just how it infuriates me in these appeals for the good old days. Well, what's the, who, who says, is it the wire? You know the thing about the old days? They're the old <laughs> days. Like ah, oh. I'll just say this one thing. The old days are gone and they are not coming back. And rather than pine for the old days, figure out how the new days work and figure out how you can make the new days work for you. That is all I'm going to say for now. Wait, wait till Sunday because otherwise Next we're going to be here for three hours. To quote uh,
1: John Favreau's clown in the episode of Seinfeld, uh, you're living in the past, man. Like literally, it's, it's the same. It's like why do we always have to harken back to nostalgia all the time. If it's not, you know, going back to the 90s of that, that generation, it's always harkening back to, oh, the golden generation. This, that. Oh, we did it differently back then. Um, you know, like it was even when you think about, um, again, I hate bringing this up, but I, it, it, it is quite apt in this situation. But you think about it when there was all the discussion around should we cap Christian Volpato? It was like, oh, we capped Harry Cure when he was 17. Doesn't mean it's the same situation. Like just because we did it then doesn't mean it works now. You know, the shoes always <laughs> don't always fit. On the same foot, like not things are not always the same. You can't directly correlate that. Like it was the same when they were talking about Chris Economides in that same vein. Different times, context. So, as you said, Joey, we're gonna focus on the now because you keep looking back in the past, you're gonna lose present of what's happening today. And looking, and then that will help set the future. We're always looking back, 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 back. Oh, go back to the '80s, Biff, rah, rah, rah. Like you know, oh, fighting spirit. That, that is like 30 years ago now. Like, that that, that shit's in the past. Like,
0: you know I mean, what? forget Did about Draymond, it. Gre- Draymond Green's post game presser in the NBA Finals. Like, just go and watch that if you haven't seen that and like, hear what Draymond Green said.
3: Like, at, at the same time, though, you know, if you don't know your history, you're not going to know your future.
0: Yeah, and, but there's a difference between like, knowing uh, your no, history. No, no, no. But see, this is, this is sorry, this,
3: sorry, this is the point that I'm going to make. There is such there is such a revisionist idea of what has, you know, come before us in Australian football. There are so many rose, rose-tinted glasses with respect to how things were back in the day. It's just such a cop-out. To compare things how they are now to how they were back in the day, because like you said, you'll never get them back. Stop trying to, you know, halt the progress of time. Like that's impossible. You can't do that. So you have to figure out like how to how to make things work now, and that and that, goes every, takes, that goes for everything. It's not just of important. course, of course, yeah, of course. Uh, but so you know, in the what do humans hate more than change? Nothing. Like the reality is that looking in the past is a crutch and it allows them to not look past, look anywhere past the surface level because in Australian football right now, we are in the predicament we are in because of that. Like we can't, we can't look past next week. We can't look past, you know, we essentially don't look at the big picture and, This whole this these continual, you know, parallels back to the Golden Generation is just such bullshit. Pardon my language, but it's 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 just a joke. We just have to stop this shit.
0: I mean, yeah, it's not helpful. Like the Golden Generation, fantastic team, great players involved in the Golden Generation. It's Golden Generation.
3: They were just as reliant on one or two creative players like we are now. What's
0: the uh, I should, for the benefit of the
2: podcast, force come through saying, to be honest, minus Chris Ditch and Ryan, not one player could lace the boots of many soccer past teams. But like no, the problem is, well, all right, no problem is saying like, we're not comparing it in, in terms well, and of like, let's necessarily. Not, we're comparing it in terms of this idea of mental resilience and toughness. But uh, even not some even, unique
0: golden generation trait. That, but even the comparison is besides the point even if it was the case that even if Hrustic and Ryan couldn't lace up the boots of the soccerers, if there was nobody, which I'm not saying there is or there isn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not going out to play the golden generation against Peru. They're going out and, you know, playing a bunch of South Americans wearing a white kit with a red sash, not Harry Cool, Harry Kuhl, John Aloisi. They're not in competition with the golden generation. They're not in competition with the side that made the 1974 World Cup. That's but
3: the reality is as cynical as this might sound. The get off my lawn commentary says that they are coming but I should, from, that's, that's coming from mind those mind. coming from those precursors like the reality is and this this happens in, in, in a lot of sports like people love their own legacies more than they love the game. And that's why when they look at new generations, they always look at it with disdain. Like you look at, let's say, you know, a player like, all right, you think about it. Stephen Curry, when he was getting, getting unanimous MVP, he was a best player in the league. He was just completely transforming how basketball can be interpreted. Yeah. A guy like Oscar Robinson didn't like it because it was completely different to how he played when he was playing, you know, in the NBA at that point, he would, Like, it's just older generations in sport always do their utmost to shit on new generations. That's just how it is because they want to protect their legacies.
0: I mean, you can go back and you can find the quote from Socrates, the the great one, not the Brazilian one, (laughs) you know, from antiquity, talking about the young generation loving luxury, having bad manners, you know they're tyrants, all of this sort of stuff, thousands of years ago. Like,
3: you don't need to read the satellite of not giving a bleep to <laughs> Nick. What are your thoughts? Are you you give us a book review, mate.
1: I've no comment. Like,
0: like I like, and that's the thing. Like, the, they're not in competition with Golden Gen. Golden Gen aren't in competition with them. Like we should sure. we should enjoy the golden gen for what they what they did. And you know, like like you said, Ante, know your history. There are lessons that you can take from the golden gen, like you can take from any generation, but it's not just a copy and paste job. And even you know, it and it can't be a copy and paste job. If you attempted to copy and paste what produce the golden generation these days there's been reports on this it would fail horribly because society has changed and screw it i'm going into my sunday um content now but it has changed for the better like yes maybe there's not so much jeopardy for players as there was back in the golden generation but by and large that's a good thing so like these days a player washing out of an academy can fall back on a high school and university education why is that bad? Like, that's a good thing. Just like p- players have education and vocational training and there's a lot more opportunities available and there's better working standards and there's better living standards for players on the way up. That's a good thing. Like, I don't think we shouldn't decry rises in living standards and working conditions, you know, as I put in the chat. We shouldn't fetishize Poverty your poor working conditions Just on the off chance It produces a few better football players Hey football you never know a...
3: Joey we went, we went to 50 basis points Yesterday mate
0: <laughs> Alright before we get into A big short watch <laughs> from London But like footballers are people And there are far more That won't make it than there are That will And I, I, and I think it's a good thing that there's a safety net And they're looked after And it's incumbent upon present coaches, modern coaches, and future coaches to find new ways to produce yeah. great players within that system rather than wishing for a system that, yeah, might make their jobs easier, but it would produce worse outcomes. And I'm not accusing any coaches or players of saying this. This is a commentary on just a sort I, I, of I think vibe. it is a
2: natural uh a natural, I guess, inclination to try and go back to what you were doing before because what you well, you seem to be regressing. You seem to be going backwards. So, what we do? What were we doing before? So, that's that's like a natural human reaction to try and recreate. And you know, if we had the the talent level of the golden gen or the players playing in those leagues now, shall we say, um, then the national team would probably be in a in a slightly better spot. That's, I, think, I don't like, think that's tot- no I don't think that's totally controversial. Auntie um, already controversial. objecting, but
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it's not controversial. Like it's fine, but like it's just the people. I guess the people who are now criticizing you know such a such a predicament were the same people who, you know who facilitated the means for this.
0: Like yeah, like, they also helped make it. They're coaches <laughs> They're administrators
3: <laughs> now. <laughs> like the same people who are now most vocal in criticizing Australian football's current predicament are arguably the most complicit in creating that environment. Like fuck like you know what that's that's ultimately up to the people to see through that bullshit quite, quite frankly aren't just, they giving me plenty to bleep in the edit
1: uh nick you wanted to jump
2: in
3: you've been waiting just, patiently just,
1: no no no. just quickly i mean joey you make a really good point because there's one thing as well we're going to humanize these people too right like you know people there's there's life after football and if people have that backup and secondary option and they want to get an education they want that then let them like you know things aren't the way they used to be you know we're not If we can't send the player overseas straight away at 17, well, I mean, like, or we can't, you know, have that same pathway and everything like it used to be in the 90s and the 80s. Well, it's different. Um, I think, like, you know, as well, because we know that careers can be cut very short, you know, it's good to have these backup options. And there's one thing as well is, all right, just I want to just to kind of leave it at this point is the past is the past golden generation did their thing. Let's celebrate it for what it was it but was now, fantastic put, it Don't was unbelievable it. On, on many levels in terms of getting australia back into the getting australia back into the world cup there were a lot of talented individual players but let's leave it there let's focus on the now let's focus with what we've got and stop trying to you know go oh we need exactly the same as what we had back then let's just work with what we've got and work with what we can actually do to improve that situation because josh you mentioned not every situation in terms of going back and like trying to do the same thing again because it worked back then is going to work now. Because as we know, the world can change very quickly. And it has over the last couple of years. Things have changed. People's priorities have changed. Things change quickly. They change on a dime. And if you keep trying to, you know, do the same thing over and over again, well, it's that famous saying, it's it's insanity. you know, hoping for the same result. You can't always get the same result. That's why you have reviews. You change things on a dime when it's not working. So that's kind of the the main thing that i wanted to i guess say on that one uh but yeah look it's it it is frustrating that we keep having to have this conversation because we shouldn't be talking about passion and desire and that as being the thing and talking about harkening back to the good old days the good old days are the good old days you know that that's that's that like now it's 2022 it's a different world let's work in this world and in this environment
2: uh, I think we better bring this back to the game that's actually coming up on Tuesday morning, uh, because we got slightly sidetracked by the big picture there. Um, shout out to us! No, uh, uh, he says. Shout out to Peru, despite improving, not uh, no longer having the class and individual achievement of uh, Solano, Pizarro, Pete Guerrero, Farfan, Vargas. I mean, anti international football isn't just about individual players and individual talent. It can be about that, but it's about getting players who don't spend much time together to function as a collective. Um, you know, it, it, We've seen many star-studded international teams falter because they didn't work well
3: together. Let me take Unmute myself yourself, off mute first. <laughs> I mean, I guess the thing about international footballing, international football, the context is that this is why things like NRI exist, because you can't international football is an ecosystem like completely involved within itself. Like it's completely exclusive to ultimate club things. However much things like club form and rhythm can come into play. Like you're not going to find balance and, you know, some kind of function just by whacking players in and saying, yeah, go for it, do what you want. Like I think, you know this world cup qualification phase for australia has been enough evidence of that especially when you put players who aren't really suited to certain roles but because of hierarchy and status you put them there expecting them to do a job like it doesn't it doesn't work that way and that's probably uh, how much south american football is is flawed like that's probably the contrast between Garek and Arnold um, because he has, I guess, cultivated a squad that, you know, extracts the maximum out of each of those players. They are the sum of their parts as opposed to, you know, what we've seen with the soccer essentially. And so from a narrative basis, it's 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 pretty cool that we do have these teams playing off for a spot in Qatar um you know ultimately i hope i hope peru lose like i want the soccer to bloody go through but it's it's just lamentable to see you know another coach uh, you know elsewhere doing more with less as opposed to you know graham arnold arguably doing less with more considering the squad we did have five years ago or six years ago
2: Paul says, uh, "Does Nick have any mail? If Alex Robertson will be debuting for the Socceroos or Peru next week, uh, very good. Um, I want to get into the game, and we're, there's two routes we can go down here. There's fantasy booking, as uh, as Mike of ESPN wants us to do. If only when A Wall and the TNC crew were hastily installed as the Socceroos head coaches, what is the starting eleven on Tuesday?" Uh, no, if I was installed as Socceroos
0: got... coach, I would quit. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: no, you got to get fired. You got to get that payout, baby. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, Tom McCall asks practically if you could influence Arnold dis- Arnold's decisions for Peru. What would you focus on? Two to three realistic specifics. So, sort of up to you guys. Which route we want to go down here? It's a choose your own adventure. Do we want to uh, throw uh, our our fantasy booking at the wall, or, or do we want to suggest a couple of tweaks that could improve the team? Uh,
1: I, love love I love fantasy booking. I love fantasy booking, but I just know it's not real. It's not going to be any help for next week. Um, All right. but maybe well, let's, maybe let's, let's do a let's bit let's go of go both. Let's do a bit
2: of and both. Do both. Let's do let's go around the room and do both. I'll oh, go for well, the
1: practical. All right,
2: well, we'll we'll do the realistic team, and then we'll finish off with a bit of fantasy football. How does that sound? All
3: right. All right. Um, the only the only real change, I've always I've always liked Lecky up front. Um, wouldn't start McGree? Oh, not not. I would I would start McGree actually instead of Irvine. Um, and then have Fustic as the deeper player in defensive phases with McGree up. Um, you know, if Arnold is going to defend that way, which is more than likely. Um, but then again, who's to say that he even goes 4 3 because this is a quote-unquote, you know, more dangerous team? Would, would he, you know, essentially crap his pants because they're a more dangerous team like he did against, you know, Japan and, and Saudi Saudi Arabia. Um, <laughs> even then, like that, that creates like this massive conundrum. But in the event, assuming that we will play 4-3-3, 4-4-2 defensive block, I'd consider um, McGree for Irvine because it's, you know, Irvine represents a huge trade-off and he can't, him and, him and Moy just They don't work. They flat out don't work. And that's the one real change I'd consider. The other one, um, I'm okay with Leckie starting, but I would throw a duke on for crossing. Inshallah, man.
2: Really? That is not what I expected you to say.
3: Like in the scenario that it will get to that essentially. Um, So
2: you're saying as a substitute?
3: Yeah, as a potential substitute, like why not? Is Goodwin
2: Goodwin still your your starting left winger?
3: I'd have Tilio. Mm. That's the that's the other one. That was that was the third one that I was like Tilio for Goodwin.
2: We said realistic
3: suggestions, aren't (laughs) we? But no, like look, that that should be a realistic suggestion. Why, like, why why isn't someone like Tilio considered? You know, a practical choice. I mean, he's in the squad. It is a realistic selection. Yeah. Like, why isn't it? Why? Why is now? Why is he essentially, you know, a human the, the, victory the, cigar? The Casper Tafta, essentially, of the twenty, you know, two thousand six, you know, <laughs> squad, extended squad. Like, why is this? Yeah. You know, why is why is he not realistically in consideration to you know even play minutes, let alone start? Like, that's insane. Um, yeah, I'd have him ahead of Goodwin.
2: I, I, I was listening to a, a rival podcast that will go unnamed um, about this game, and and it was suggested that uh, that Tilio cannot start for the Socceroos because he's not starting for his club, which I I Dude. think is backwards thinking.
3: Like if, if sorry, was if that if um, you yeah yeah, yeah was... I was I was uh, going to ask if Mario Mario from Doncaster called in to that show too, but. Like... <laughs>
2: No, um, no it, was, it, it was it was Scott McDonald who said it on the Gagan Pod, and you know I can understand the line of thinking, but I think that's very rigid. And if you're calling him up to the Socceroos, um, despite the fact that he doesn't start for Melbourne City on a regular basis uh, when all are, are fit and available, then I think naturally you're you're saying that you disagree with Patrick Kisnorbo's assessment of Tilio, and therefore he should be a realistic starter, Joey. <laughs>
0: I mean if we're not starting Marco Tilio cuz he doesn't start for Melbourne City we'll somebody like Aaron Moy doesn't hasn't played football since January for his club in Shanghai I mean Hrustich hasn't been a regular starter for Frankfurt the entire time I mean we're going to bench him next like yeah, like, and Tilio was, you know, I feel like, a, I, I, I promise I wa- I'm i not just stealing Ante's ideas. Tilio, starting for Goodwin, was one of the ideas I'd, I'd have as well. A, lo- a lot of my thinking, you know, it's highly dependent about, if we're looking at realistic changes. <coughs> it's based on, you know, some of it's dependent upon knowledge we just can't have surrounding fitness, you know, wise and aerobic capacity. And like, obviously, like Sainsbury, can he start? If he's if he's fit enough to start, you're bringing Sainsbury, um, Fran Karacic. We 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 know the fitness issues that he's had across the past twelve months because of COVID and the like. Is is he in the squad, but he's not capable of running out ninety minutes, and that's why Atkinson is starting. But realistically, I mean, we talked about it before the um, game against the UAE. Atkinson and Karacic. It's sort of like 1A and 1B. They're both pretty good options. So that's potentially a realistic change you could make. I mean, same thing with Taggart. Apparently the latest line out of the Socceroos camp is, well, initially in his post-game presser, Arnold said he'd be heading back to Japan, um, only, be, only to be subsequently be told by the physios, actually, no, that's not right. Um, there's a chance that he can get up for the game against Peru. What sort of role can Adam Taggart play? Because I think what well, it's been well established on this show that we're big fans of what Adam Taggart can bring to the squad. Whether what sort of role can he potentially play? So a lot of it's dependence on that. Um, I agree with that Riley McGree for Jackson Irvine, similar players. Um, you could bring them in. Could bring in Dennis Johnry for Aaron Moy as a six, which we've exhaustively, discuss- exhaustively discussed on this show already so those are some of the realistic changes I could see happening. Nick,
1: um am I taking more of the fantasy route or do you want um, slight you... adjustments? <laughs> you, um, you
2: go you do you man. i right, have sort of danced me. around the edges all of right. both here.
1: So all right. So no look I think in terms of realistic adjustments, I'd be starting Frank Karacic at right back. Uh I think Atkinson had a tough day at the office. I think you go with Karacic at right back in this game. Tred Sainsbury for me comes into the starting lineup for Kai Rolls. And I'd go Milos Deganek as well, I think, for Bailey Wright. Um, I know Deganek isn't playing much, but again, if we're using the logic of you know, everyone else not playing much and that that is getting minutes, I think Deganek should play. Um in midfield, I think this is an interesting one. Look, if we go in the fantasy route, I would love to see John Johnrose starting. Is it gonna happen? I doubt it very, very highly. But I think. I would like to see, I guess, see, this is a tough one because, again, like, I think Raleigh McGrew would be a good option, but I'm just like, I'm thinking the realistic route, Jackson Irvine's going to start, isn't he? Like, he's going to play. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only change that I could actually see happening, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Moy doesn't start. Josh, I heard you mentioned it earlier about him backing up. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe they look to freshen things up in midfield. But you know what the thing is, right? I can so see this happening. And I, I, this is nothing against him personally, but I, I, I shudder at the thought of this. Be, I, I could see Kenny Dougal somehow starting this game because he's a six for a six. And it's like Arnie goes, you know what? I want to play a bit more defensive. Dougal's the option that can play in that role. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I don't want it to happen. I, I don't think this is the game for it, but I wouldn't be shocked. But in terms of the front three, I think that either it's got to be Marco Tilio or Owen Mobile coming in for Craig Goodwin. Uh no, Paul, I am not gonna say that. Um, and to be honest, I'd also consider maybe, maybe making a change at the top of the line. I don't know if I'd be starting Matt Lecky. I mean, Lecky has had a bit of injury problems again, backing up for me. I would I reckon if Adam Taggart's ready to go I'm playing Adam Taggart. if he's if he's good, he starts this game. Um Uh, But to be honest, if I'm thinking about being realistic and I wouldn't be surprised who actually starts, don't be shocked if Jamie McLaren starts this game. I just have this feeling that, like, Arnie really liked his last little bit and he was the first name off the bench. Like, you know, when they were chasing the game, he was the only one that was brought on early. Like, they didn't look at anyone else and the other two changes were made in stoppage time. I genuinely get this feeling that Jamie McLaren might actually start this game and Leckie might actually go to the left. So... I don't know. I feel like this is a bit of a mixed bag. Like I'd love to see Marco Tilio start. They just unleash him on Peru and just let him go for it. It'd be it'd be great. But do I see it happening? Unfortunately, not.
0: So B- are you feeling big, good big about your of... chances there, mate? He pulled you <laughs> aside in the dressing room and told you chances. you'd be starting.
1: <laughs> I'm feeling great about my chances. I'm feeling great. Um, but yeah, I, I no. Genuinely, though, I, I get this feeling. McLaren might actually start the next game.
2: I can conceivably see Moy playing sixty minutes and getting hooked. I think that's the most likely scenario. I I,
3: I, I would conceive. I think it's more conceivable that Moy plays seventy to eighty minutes, but gets run over after sixty.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's the, that's the worry. That's the nightmare scenario. Um, and look, I, I think there are at least two players who obviously need to be replaced in this lineup. Um, as I've said, I, I didn't think Kai Rolls was up to it. Uh, whether Sainsbury fit or whether he's not fit, I still play Degenek as the next option. Hey, football friends. How you doing? Hello,
3: football friend,
2: <laughs> We've had some cameos from family members today. That's been the running theme of the show. <laughs> uh, Nick, I don't know. You, I think you missed... Uh, I,
1: I... This is no, Jones no. Is I, Hi, bro. Joe. Hi,
2: Joe. <laughs> Hi, Freya. Uh, I, no, no, I, I think he, I think you missed Ante's dad's cameo no. at the start.
1: I was I had it open on my phone uh for those first few <laughs> seconds and I saw Ante's dad come in for Hi, a few mom. seconds, so I did see it.
3: <laughs> it's not that coming on guys. It's not coming on. Yeah, you know, like bro you think I nah man, that's that's not-
2: <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought here um, yeah whether whether Sainsbury's back or whether you put Degenak in there don't think Rolls Rol should start I thought Goodwin's stocks have gone down since that performance he didn't have a good game uh, you know I know I picked him as, uh, as my journey yeah, yeah but that's so that's the A-League that's the A-League you know this is yeah. international football it's a different it's a different environment and also just the the system that Arnie was playing puts a lot of emphasis on the wingers being able to dribble in one-on-one scenarios and Goodwin can't really do that. Whereas you saw the contrast with Boyle. So yeah, I think he's. You got to change him. I'd, I'd love to see Tilio, but I think it's more likely that we see Leckie out on the flank, or we see oh. Mabil, um, or you know. Um, uh, but um, the other change, Atkinson at right back. I'm not too fussed whether he plays or Karacic. I think they're pretty similar uh, level. So um, as as we've spoken about. Atkinson's struggles were more as a result of uh things outside of his control, uh, than his literal one on one defending. I don't think I put my Riley McGree in, to be honest. I mean, maybe I haven't watched enough of him recently, but I just don't think he's good enough or responsible enough defensively.
3: This um, is why this is why I'd consider like let's say if he does play, you'd you'd put a stitch deeper and have him as that as that second striker playing because
2: you look at his average position maps from when he was at Adelaide he's beyond the striker yes that's uh, what I mean
3: but like look if you're going to play in a way that wants that side that midfielder to be you know pumping channel runs and stretching the defensive line then he's probably the the question is 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 like he's probably arguably a more round more rounded option in comparison to Irvine you know and However much people want to talk about Irvine's experience, well, you might, and he might have scored Australia's goal, but he also gave it away a few minutes later with like multiple errors in the space of 20 seconds. It's, mm. I, I don't, At least I don't, he's, at
2: least he's there. I don't think Krustich <laughs> will even be, I mean, sorry, uh, I don't think McGree will even be there.
3: <laughs> yeah, but see, this is, this probably allows for, I mean, how, how could his, er- Frischi- to- you know, if, if How good is Hustich
2: like, defensively, though? That's that's my worry, you know?
3: Hustich will be, like, in terms of net gain, what he'd provide to the team to, you know, in defensive and attacking senses in comparison to Irvine is arguably, you know, larger. And then you do, ha- like, McGree's, you know, deployment in such a system is also within that context of Hrustic playing deeper and allowing to influence the game in a more positive way than what Irvine would. So I guess over in terms of net gain and what they both provide in comparison to you know, each composition, I think, yeah, Stitch with with McGree would probably be, would arguably be the more workable scenario composition.
1: Just a question. Um, was just, I was just having a look at who didn't make the squad this morning. Uh, is there, was Daggers and Davidson just dropped? This is not me suggesting they're going to play, but were they just dropped on form or was that, were there any injury news about them? Not didn't, playing? didn't hear anything about them injury
2: wise. I think
3: it was a uh, DMP slash mid.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. A lot of angry Vark fans in your mentions. Yes, indeed. Um, First But, you know, Ante, you're a braver man than I. Uh, I think playing McGree and Hrustich, I'd be tempted to have some sort of. Uh, McAuley style kind of anchor man <laughs> to try and uh, combat that. Uh, but maybe that's uh, maybe that's me being uh, conventional and cowardly in my thinking. We'll see, we'll see.
3: I'm intrigued to see how it how it all plays out. Um, you know, if, if you were thinking about let's say within the within the realms of this squad, if you were going to go with you know, a McGree and Fustich um as like two eights in a in a three man midfield. Um, you know, would you would you you know it might be more feasible to play a or a or a genre. Like Genre probably could do it, but I guess the question with Moy is, you know, how much how much gas does he have in the tank? Mm. Especially in a game like this. Because you know it will likely go to like the I don't think it will be over on, you know until the ninetieth minute.
2: And uh and that gas is pretty expensive these days. So you know, <laughs> <hopefully> <laughs> he's in he's it's in the right part of the world, I suppose. To the moon. <laughs> All right, fellas, I think that just about wraps up the show. The emergency TNC pod. Uh we went over an hour with it, as is our it's brand. we still almost
0: gone 90 minutes. We it's talked too- <laughs> about one game and we've almost gone ninety minutes.
2: Uh, so on brand um and uh yeah if you missed any of this it'll be up on the espn podcast platforms before long thank you for your company gentlemen and thank you for so many of you for uh for tuning in in uh, a totally irregular time slot with very little turnaround uh absolutely amazing uh the interaction we've got today considering so uh yeah we really appreciate the support and everybody who asks questions even if uh even if we disagree with you or we'll make fun of you when your comment comes up, <laughs> <laughs> that's all part of the TNC experience, baby. Whatever happens, happens on Tuesday morning. And we, we have our we fingers all crossed.
0: It, we cop it worse from each other in the group chat. Right <laughs> <to show. laughs> yeah.
2: uh, it's, it's funny, everyone has started reading Ante's tone as super passive aggressive on Twitter, I've noticed, <laughs> where it's like really not. <laughs> It's, it's, it's just your brand, Ante. Everyone thinks. Every, everyone assumes uh, they're getting slapped down. <laughs> you need uh, to start using tone indicators or emojis or something.
0: Like, oh, like the like the Elcor from Mass Effect just um, announced your um, uh, tone before every <laughs> like slight annoyance. <laughs> yeah, so am I like
3: the Mark? You know, Mark Zuckerberg like just everyone considers me an alien or
0: some shit. <laughs> did is it you did you kidnap Oliver Bozanic? Hey. I have <laughs> look, as part of
3: the alien delegation, I can't say that we did or didn't abduct Oliver Bozanic <laughs> and any future uh, Australian footballers.
1: But so so we get like the football manager kind of like, you know, you mentioned about Tony got like reluctant Passive aggressive. Put arm around um, shoulder.
2: You know. Uh, Arte Arte just picks, throws water bottle every time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, the show's over, folks. That's all.
0: We'll see you next time. Mass effects. Go, Socceroos. See you, though.